Hello and welcome to this episode of Sonic Talk. Uh, back after our German odyssey, we were first in Superbooth, Berlin, then we were in Music Messe. So I'm finally back. We got back on Sunday uh, and it was a heck of a trip. So if you've had a bit of uh, withdrawal symptoms, I do apologise. But I also want to say hello and welcome to our YouTube live listeners and also to our Periscope listeners. I'm trying to kind of, so I've got a screen over here for Periscope. So this is something we're trying new. Just trying to increase the number of people that we can potentially reach reach any time but nice to see all you folks in the chat room thank you very much for joining us a fulsome chat room if you don't mind me saying so um so always nice to see you all uh i want to also say that the show is uh, sponsored by isotope a message from them later on where you can win a copy of ozone 7 uh and in fact we have a winner from gosh nearly two week two week two shows ago in fact but anyway let's get on to uh joining um joining our guests because we have uh, a triumvirate of guests. Uh, we'll start first with Robbie Bronnerman over there uh, at his client studio where he's working on an album. Great to see you, Robbie. It hasn't been, has been a little while. I think your yeah. bandwidth is slightly challenged, but um, I'm sure we'll be able to struggle through. How are you, Robbie? Good? Yeah, very good, thanks. I think we're running on four meg. Whoa, I don't think I can manage that. Not with all of this stuff coming out. The, the, all four the... meg, but check it out. Four meg and 200, uh, 200 kbs upload, whatever. Woo-hoo. Wow. So it takes me about two hours to upload an MP3. So that's why, hence your video. But uh, anyway, thank you very much for joining us. Good to have you aboard. And, of course, we have Mr. Gaz Williams there, who's uh, in his base studio up in the the top floor. Uh, Gaz Williams, of course, music technologist as well, and uh, producer as well. Actually, Robbie, I forgot to introduce you as a producer and, uh, and a musician and all of those things. Anyway, Gaz, how are you? Yeah, great. I mean, gosh, uh, mad, busy, busy times. So, well, like yourself, really. Um, you know, been crazy on the on the go with loads of things. You know, um, the Matuki album launch that's gone really well. We did uh, Matuki. That's the Afrobeat, Afro actually psychedelic Afrofunk. That's the okay. official A new genre. definition. Psychedelic Afrofunk. Yeah, I mean, that you know, sounds great. Those. <laughs> so that Matuki, M A T U K I. That's now out. Uh, but also. Um, Pig Records label launched. It's a record label, uh, jazz label that I've been involved with. Uh, so that's all cool. And uh, just about to play a storming gig on Saturday with uh, Charlotte Church uh, playing the MIDI bass, which uh-huh. those of people who are at the Sonic State live show were uh, given the first viewing of. This is a brand new MIDI bass that there will be more of coming later but I'm, uh, I'm getting to play it with charlotte church at um stuart lee's all tomorrow's parties on saturday so this is going to be a brilliant gig and we're lasting on saturday night yes we're playing a big party Headlines. set of some monster tunes uh and i'm getting to i'm playing erebus i'm using erebus with loads of the tunes on the bass lines and uh the midi bass facilitates proper bass playing with analog synths it is amazing so uh there's loads of uh i'm having a real amazing time with it at the moment so, so it's, it's like, lots of live playing so it's my, my worlds have come together the synth and the bass worlds you know the uh the midi bass thing is quite a revolutionary uh idea this is the industrial radio i should mention MIDI bass. oh yeah that's right the australian guys well glad to have you aboard it's a pleasure and also we have mr non eric from musotalk.de there he is i'll buy with by, by personal request, a musictalk.de course, uh, German language kind of music test technology chats, or you know, kind of a similar vein to what we do here, but uh, slightly more professional, if I might add. 
<laughs> Although, not, no, not today? I don't know. <laughs> not, well, trying to uh, re, um, re, uh, re uh, arrange myself from the two uh, shows we had, right? Yeah, we that saw was pretty full on. I, I would like to say, actually, uh, I bumped into Daniel Miller when we were at Superbooth in Berlin, which was the first of the two shows, and he said, you must get non-Eric on more often. There you go. So by royal request, if you like, just for you, Daniel. There you are. So, um, non-Eric, it's been a real, uh, it has been a crazy couple of weeks. I mean, we haven't had really time off. First, uh, I think last Tuesday it was, uh, we went to Berlin, uh, which is your home city, of course. Uh, I hadn't been there for a long time. We went to the Superbooth, which is held in the Funkhaus in uh down the river some way and it was quite an experience very much of a sort of synthesizer if you don't know anything about it it was uh, it's something that's been put together by Herr Schneider oops that's not the one I want it's that one Herr Schneider uh, who basically is the kind of synthesizer dealer, legendary synthesizer dealer in uh, Berlin, puts on... The Superbooth has been something that started out as basically a kind of collection of manufacturers at trade shows. So he started out doing a music meso where he'd bring a lot of the people that he was selling gear from, bring them all in and get them to have exhibits in one sort of super booth, hence the title. But also he took it over to Nam, and it's been touring as well. So it, it seemed like a fairly, you know, likely uh, uh, event that he would put his own on but this thing was way more than we, any of us ever expected I think because it was huge I, I'm I'm yeah. you know and I know you're not easily impressed Mr. Non-Eric so what did you make of it? I was surprised uh, of the scale of the whole operation uh, I suspected at the beginning it could be a little bit more than a huge booth um, but it was the whole Funkhaus was um, invaded by the synthesizer community. And um, what I really liked about it is there was this kind of, uh, there was a great feeling in the air. Everybody was, you know, having fun and uh, exchanging ideas and talking. And But I think it's uh, due to that uh, the synthesizer freaks and fans, they're our community, which are sort of, we're all into the same gear and we're all into the, it's very similar music and so it was a very homogenous or I don't know what the English word Holistic, is. Holistic, yes. Yeah, yeah, a very, very nice community and um, yeah, like-minded spirits joined together in one location. I think it was great and um, yeah, it was depressing not to have it at Messe actually because Messe on the other hand was really, really sort of grim and very, yeah. very loud this year and uh and I think a lot of the exhibitors I was expecting there weren't showing up, didn't show up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, it was a very, very contrasting event. And obviously, you know, we've got quite a lot of synthesizer stuff. We also got some great other bits and pieces. Actually, I've got a bit of a tour here. Just a quick look at what the building has to offer. Uh, I think we did a... Uh, I'll play a little bit Let's of it. Go. This is us going... So we'll go... We, you notice we've got the red carpet, which is a little oh. bit grubby now, but makes you feel special especially when you go up a staircase Excuse like me. this this is sort of classic bit of marble uh watch your step there ed don't want you falling over so, so this place was 1950s architecture so got uh, the touche guys here and there's uh so audio workstat then there's moo uh the moon modular 
and this is the staff only this is our little interrogation room up here where we've got a little office so this is where things get really special oh look there's there's hands from uh, musotalk.de <laughs> that's meta Radio there you are sonic state podcast <laughs> so we'll start over here <laughs> because this is one of the two main halls these these spaces have been created by acoustic experts of the time and they built these specifically to sound good this is probably going to be loud in here i don't know what's going on So this is Studio One. Can't see a thing. Wait for it though, it's worth it. If you look up to the ceiling, you might be able to make out. No, it's pitch black, okay. Let's come out. So that didn't go too well, because it's just so dark in there, but there's a, a, a performance going on. And this, but this is the main hall. This is being designed specifically for a 2.6 reverb tail which apparently is what you want for this kind of thing and it's got to the, it's so perfectly designed this is that the, 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 it's actually they have to clear the money the shot. out at four o'clock so that the humidity <laughs> wouldn't affect the tail for the recording of the evening's concert let's have a look at this i mean this is just crazy i mean look up at the ceiling all of this damping all this sort of vaulted all of these surfaces are built for acoustics and this is the presentation stage where people have been putting, uh, talking about their specific um, items. And it looks like somebody's tuning a dulcimer over here. Let's have a look. Right, I won't play the whole thing, but uh, needless to say, we did get quite a lot of video stuff from there. I mean, I think the thing about this is, it, the thing about the Super Booth is, it's a, it is a very new event. I don't know if uh, either of you guys, Robbie or Gaz, managed to pick up any, because we did, we posted 30 odd videos from there, just of, but again, as you can imagine, it was quite modular centric, though we did actually try and uh, pick up a few interviews and stuff. Did you, uh, have you been to the Funk House? Because it's the sort of place that I guess if you go to Berlin, one might try and make a no, pilgrimage. No, you can't. You can't. Nick, because it's usually, there's nothing going on there. It's a deserted place. It's just changed ownership. And Berlin is desperate to get something going in that location. Because, wow. um, you know, remember, Nick, the first day it was really, really cold. Oh, yeah. yes. Probably because they haven't heated for quite some time. I know there is, uh, there's going to be the Music Tech Festival going to happen in May. So there's, uh, there is um, uh, events happening there. But as I said, they just changed ownership and it's be exciting what's going to happen. There's uh, right now, all that is happening there is a couple of rehearsal rooms are there. Bands are practicing there, little studios, but we don't know yet what's going to uh, happen at the old East German Funkhaus, which is a great location, great studios, but nobody knows how to use them, has an idea how to use them because let's frankly, I mean, 2.6 seconds reverb is great, but you know. Yeah, for that room, there are a lot of other rooms in the space, though. I mean, that's the thing. I don't, yeah. So you, I, 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 did you get a chance to see any of the stuff or you've been heads down in the album world, Robbie? I, I have, well, I have been very busy, but I did, I did get a chance to look at some of the videos and had a few friends who were there who said, oh, well, you should have been here. So next mm. year, I definitely would probably would make the effort to go even just as a pun, you know, just to, just to see what's going on, really. It looks a lot of fun. Perform, perform. Yeah, well, there is there is space for performance. I mean, there was quite <laughs> a lot of... The thing about it is there was quite a lot of performance there. I mean, and a lot of it yeah. was quite 
modular in its nature you know which as you would understand but i think there's probably and, and some of it was was really experimental i mean and there, i don't know how much kind of more mainstream melodic stuff there was that i mean i just didn't get a chance to see it because the way that the what happened was the day started um for us at nine o'clock we got on a boat which took us down to the funk house on the river which Aye. meant we were up at seven so we got to the funk house at half nine show started at 10 it finished at eight and then at eight o'clock they they flipped it round and started live performances in the in some of the other because there's another huge hall there which was used for concerts which we didn't get a chance to film in and so these things went on it wasn't so much on thursday but on friday and saturday night they went on till three four five six in the morning so you can imagine after a day covering the show that's not so much something that one would uh, necessarily have the time for or the energy which is a shame i don't know if uh, if you managed to make any of those hands I'm, I'm guessing probably not but uh, i know no i mean that's that's one thing uh, that we should note I think it worked so well because there's a, it's a community of like-minded people who are into the same kind of noise-related uh, synthesizer music. <laughs> and the scope of music one would hear at the, sh at, at the event was narrow. It was a certain kind of electronic music and i think that was basically the reason why it well, well, went so well uh, that's so why focused. the vibe was there because we, they were all on the same page everybody who was there was on the same page more or less but i wonder how how this could be more mainstream than it would There was one, one remark I heard from somebody who was exhibiting there said, well, we're, there wasn't very much of a general public there. There were mainly people from the industry, pe developers, uh, people working for the small companies. So it was more like, um, what's the Congress? No, what yeah, is it Yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, it was like a conference. More like a conference than a, a fair I would say. Yeah. Would this you agree? Yeah, I would say this time. I know, Gaz, as, a, as another innocent bystander, um, I know you were quite keen. You, you were wondering whether or not you might actually be able to make it over. And, 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 and quite a lot of people yeah. were asking after you. I have to say, uh, from my point I, of view... I was going to come. I was going to come, but I realised that the gig that I was going to have to burn out, out, out was the album launch. So this album I'd just been producing for four months. <laughs> so I couldn't do it. I couldn't get out of it. I was really dead set on coming. Um Next year. Yes, next year. But, yeah, but I want to perform. I want to perform. I'm a performer, I am. So I get get me a gig. Funkhouse people, I'll bring my MIDI bass and I'll play it through the massive, massive modular rig and rock the joint. There we go. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty good fun, actually. That would be pretty good fun. So what no. you're saying is you'd really like to see it be a bit more of a cross between what it is and sonar. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's point. not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Because well, at, at Sonar, they have a really large um, area, which is, uh, you know, uh, like an e e exhibit hall or whatever, different companies turning up, doing little, you know, some something selling, something's just, just showing off little bits of technology at the Sonar Festival in Barcelona. Actually, Sonar happens in other places as well. Oh, it happens in... Uh, I just rolled my wheelchair over my toe. Ow. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Easy. I was, trying to, I was trying to suppress the ow there for sort of professionalism. Um, just let it out. <laughs> let it all out. Um, <laughs> uh, but that, uh, so, yes, so I think that's a brilliant point by Robbie, actually, that sort of... Uh, 
maybe a few more performances to bring more people in but at the same time it's wonderful isn't it wonderful that that's happened i'm just i think it's so exciting and what a perfect use of the building you know if there was some way of it being instead of it just being yearly you know if they could have them quarterly maybe if there was some way to make it work you know it's such a developing world and growing world the whole modular world just to, to have something that maybe was more than yearly i don't know that's probably too much effort well it might be a bit if, too much if, for if, for andreas yeah, but if the building's there not being used, you know, I'm sure there's some way to make that work with with that. I think experiment. maintenance is a huge problem. I think it's really expensive to maintain the building. Uh, I, I can imagine it is. I mean, it was... Yeah. There was a lot of work going on. Uh, you know, you can see there had been quite a lot of work going on there because well, we had a, a bunch of... Um, sort of side rooms and what have you going on. We were in one of those and they were sort of hastily cleared, smelled very strongly of... Uh, high high tech high high toxicity chemicals which had probably been used to clear out the, the place but it was a fantastic event and i think you're right i think maybe to broaden it out to electro wider electronic music would be a good thing because i think the thing about the modular world is there is a very purest approach to that a lot of people are very sort of snobby about you know you can't really introduce a laptop or any other computer into that world and i am i mean i didn't see all the gigs so i can't really say that that was the case for everybody at all but i know that there was you know that mark verbose play there was quite a lot of sort of banging techno stuff as well as far as i understand i mean it wasn't just um bleep blops and experimental stuff it was actually quite uh, and also uh, there was a live stream which wasn't highly publicized but that the stage which we saw in that previous video there were video uh, I don't know how many slots in a day, a lot of slots in every 20 minutes or every half an hour, there was a slot of a, somebody going and doing a talk. And that was all streamed live as well from the event um, via DBS school, uh, which who I think are somewhere close by. So, uh, you know, I, I did try and publicize it when I was there, but it was very hard to focus on stuff. And it was, again, one of those very intense events, but absolutely fantastic. And I think it's something that, you know, we would, uh, we would say, keep doing it. Um, did you see anything, uh, non-Eric, that was that was interesting to you outside of, you know, just the actual artistic side of it? Because you, like us, were going around and sort of filming and talking to people. I mean, what was the highlight of the show for, from that point of view, for you? Meeting Dave Rossum, the sole inventor of the EMU SP1200. And I did a 30-minute interview, which will be live tomorrow on musatalk.de. And it will be in English, so even the Sonic State viewers can enjoy it. And I went down to the, you know, to, to the latency and down to the, the way the converters <laughs> worked and the disk drive worked. And we, I mean, we really got down to the Z80 processor, really down to the bottom and the core of the fucking drum machine. Wow, that was my <laughs> highlight. Did you take? You should have taken one along and had him sign it. Yeah. Or true. did you? Have you sold them all now? I sold. Uh, I had four, and I sold three of them. Ah, okay. So, but I've got one left, and that one looks like it's it's mint. It looks like just out of the shop. It's great. Wow, that's nice. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was my highlight. Uh, but uh, I must uh, make a small correction here, Nick. Uh, there were uh, also uh, Native Instruments was there. That's very true, yeah. Urs Heckman was there. There was the Z-Mores, uh, the modular guys on the iPad were there. The Patchwork guys were there. Sugar Bites were there. Einberg was there. 
Roland, so it was a little, it was already yeah. sort of. No, no, I would agree there. That you yeah. did get the. I mean, I, I think perhaps the Korgs and the Rolands uh, did seem a little bit off. They were less. It was p- p- peculiar actually because they seemed kind of. Uh, Yamaha were there as well with Steinberg. In fact, so there were some bit. You know, I'm guessing those guys probably helped to uh, make the whole thing happen because presumably um, they were charged something for attending the show and they had some really nice rooms because as well as those two big recording spaces there were other studio rooms that had uh, exhibitors in fact Moog had their own Moog Island which they did which was gorgeous (laughs) and it was a really curious thing actually I don't know if you went in the room um, but uh, because we had a chat with Steve Dunnington about the the Mother 32 design which will be another interview coming up some uh, sometime in the future but when you walked into the Moog room it was like going into a library and everybody started talking quietly. It was really curious. It was like a sort of an atmosphere that just seemed to surround it. It wasn't, it hadn't been made that way. And I was talking to Emmy, who's the uh, uh, the, the main publicist there, the uh, publicity person there. And she was saying, yeah, it's great, isn't it? I don't know why that's happened, but it has. And it was really, really kind of cool, all of that stuff. I mean, we... Maybe because people were on the floor. Ah, yeah. On their... Uh, teppich, one would say in German, <laughs> with cushions. headphones, yeah, cushions and headphones. So it was a kind of the chill out part, you know, the relaxed <laughs> part. Yeah, it's funny how that worked by by itself. Really so, funny. So again, to you two guys, I don't know if you saw much of the coverage. Was there anything there that you thought, oh, well, that looks jolly interesting? I mean, Dave Rosson had a very interesting trans. What was it? Pulse wave sampler, which looked pretty yeah, that's interesting. interesting. I mean, what, what what just strikes me is, I mean, the, the the madness of it is, is that when I look at what my modular is, and it's you know, it's it's not small, you know, it's four full eight whatever it is, hundred and twenty eight HP whatever it is, full up. It's like it's almost like it's out of date, well out of date, because it's like it's just such an amount of modular coming out that you you know, if if you don't buy anything for like a few months. You, you know, the tide has just totally sort of drowned you in all the stuff that's coming out. So, you know, people who are really hardcore into it, they must just be, you know, spending all their life and money on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's something I know that uh, you have to watch out there, de- there uh, Robbie, because I know that you, 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 put a, you put an embargo on yourself to stop uh, yeah. getting yeah. involved in any more modular mm-hmm. stuff. But, I mean, you know, it, it's, I think it's exciting, but it's just, it's just, it, it's just amazing how exponentially it just sort of has gone in like the last three years from kind of being a kind of curiosity and kind of a very left field kind of area of kind of music technology for most people to kind of like the mainstream almost. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, that is interesting. Do you think that's a, we're at the uh, point at which the bubble is likely to burst then? Uh, no, no, yes. You th- yes. I think so. You think there'll be a, back, a, a modular backlash, whatever that might look like? Well, I think, I mean, uh, not ne- maybe not necessarily, but there is a, if we look at it in terms of, I think it's, it, it has to do that how you make the music has become more important than to get something done efficiently, you know, so the, 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 the process, the process is dominant when you're in, into modulus. 
You yes. like the process of making it, you know, you like patching, getting the sound, playing around with it. Not necessarily you're that much interested in the end result, because if you're just focused on the end result, you could probably make music that sounds exactly like the one you're trying to do with the modular. You could do that on your computer a lot easier, a lot cheaper, a lot more efficiently. So it's not about the end product. It's about the way you make music. And there's a certain, there's a certain fascination, you know, you, you twiddle it, but I'm afraid that because it's very hard to get a very good end result by just knob fiddling, but maybe you guys have different experience, but to, have, to get a finished track, you know, something that you can release, at the end of the day, you need to add to your modulus, modular system. And then you're in a, you start drifting into this other world as well. And if you want to really stay true to the modular vein, you, you're about function, but you're not that much into the end results. And I would just love to hear your opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, I think... Sorry. I was just going to say, I thought it was really curious it, that Softube announced that, that virtual modular... <laughs> <laughs> that kind of recreates the modular modules of like some of the best you know known modular people now i mean it's just kind of like it's kind of like a weird a weird circle that we kind of we go around and around with isn't it i mean i could kind of see that that's an interesting area if like loads mm. of really big manufacturers get on board and license you know, to have their modules made in software i guess that would be a great way of archiving patches and being able to bring them back in the studio or for live performance, possibly. But I just thought it was a curious idea that that's kind of, you know, software to emulate the stuff that people were so desperate to get their hands on. Yeah, that's true. The, uh, at the uh, Superbooth, the uh, Native Instruments Blocks uh, modular sort of physical software meeting, That that's very well, does that... Do, designed isn't it i think seeing more of that now i'm quite impressed about about that as being the the way of branching across the two it's the soft tube one more of purely just a computer one rather than it yes uh well i've got a little a little bit of that here it's a modular synth based on uh modular featuring uh, authorized emulations of Duffer and Intelligent modules, as well as some own customized uh, modules. Let's have a look. It was very noisy at NASA. Let's just hear a bit more of that patch. Yeah, okay. That looks a little bit more like a kind of poly thing that's going on there, but but yeah, yeah. I mean uh, the, the the native instruments blocks is a really interesting uh, concept because of the way that they've chosen to take the the software and use uh, an interface like Expert Sleepers and DC coupled interface to then communicate directly with hardware, and that is the stuff that's a bit more interesting because I remember when Expert Sleepers stuff, the Silent Wave first came out, it sort of felt like 
it would be a great way of not having to bother with buying things like LFOs and envelopes and things that are just right. modulators. You could concentrate purely on the, uh, the side of things, and filters. oscillators and filters and things. And yeah, and that and, and the native instruments thing is very interesting. And I, I was I was trying to quiz them and get them to admit or or let something out that that perhaps they were thinking about taking some sort of route to hardware with native instruments and just creating like for instance i mean if you could imagine taking the native instruments blocks creating a player for ios having a little thing you could plug into the to the to the, the lightning port <laughs> that gave you cv out and then because it seems acceptable to play with an ipad in a modular setup but not so much with a laptop so then you could have that as a part of a kind of overall system and that would really start to uh, to rock i mean i don't know whether or not you know this is the other thing the the amount of coverage that modular stuff gets is probably disproportionate that the amount of revenue it makes and the amount you know, for somebody like uh, Native Instruments but that's the sort of thing that I thought would be a very interesting side of things I mean uh, mm. Robbie you're a user I mean would that make sense for you to have something like that that's interfacing yeah. so that then it's much easier I, for you to recall stuff I, my, my, my biggest sort of, sort of thing with the whole modular thing is that I love fiddling around with my modular and I love fiddling around my little phenol patching stuff and things but i can quite often go down a rabbit hole and lose so much time and get fixated with like a great little thing that in the end the, the grand scheme of things never actually makes it into anything i'm working on because it just doesn't fit so i would love i i'm all for things that start making modulars much more efficient in their workflow to be used in the wider studio situation so yeah i mean it, it is it is like two worlds at the moment with a few sort mm. of awkward kind of steps into both. And it would be really nice to see something that kind of made it so that a modular can go into your workflow and be, you know, just as quick and efficient than pulling up a soft synth or whatever. But mm -hmm. with, the, you know, with all the benefits of having something tactile and physical to use. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I, th I think... I think non-Eric's point is very, very valid about the, um, the the process of making the music and how that is the uh, the big thing of of the modulars. Um, but also, I'm just wondering about: is it possible as well that the modular world is pulling like so many people in who weren't music makers, who are people who maybe are more interested in, you know? Science. experiments science that sort of thing and actually it, it, it isn't eating into a traditional synthesizer sort of user base but actually growing the the world by bringing people you know to see what i mean and maybe computer programmers or app programmers who've got into that way of thinking having that physicality to that mental process is going to be very appealing isn't it so it could you know so that, I mean, it's just, just a thought. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, have an, I have another thought, maybe. Um, when we look at how millions and millions and billions of money has been spent in the last centuries in terms of marketing and making people feel more as an individual. I'm so individual. I'm so different. You are so different. Why don't you buy this? You know? So this is sort of in that vein, I think, in a little bit, that is, 
It's I'm, I, anybody could have the same logic sampler, same plugins and everything. So there's no way to be individual, but you can with your modular system. You know, you can have your own little case with your own module setup. You'll be totally individual. And if you mimic that in software, if you do it on your iPad and everything, you know instantly, oh, there are hundreds maybe thousands who have exactly the same sort of software setup that I have. Okay, does that make me an individual? That's no, all. but I've got this unique three, only three made oscillators. <laughs> no? I think, uh, do you think that is part of the story? Yes. Yeah. You want to be an individual? I, in short, I think that's a very strong part of the story. But I think also it's very clear that um, people are very... Um, that that they have a romantic notion about the sort of modular, and I think there's an issue with you know people think well if I use modular it has to be just modular. I mean the point is is figuring out a way it works into the into the way that yeah. you are working, like you know like you do, Robbie. You know you go well this will work for this, and you might use it as a seed for a track which will be finished elsewhere yeah. or to enhance an existing track or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean I I it always boils down to me to me like I always say it's whatever tool is inspiring and great to get the job done at the time you know it's there's there to me there are no there are no absolutes there is no snobby divide as to what's what's acceptable and what isn't it's whatever gets the job done and gets it done in a creative and good way so you know i mean that's my take on music technology as a whole really that's why i, I don't i'm not scathing about anything whether it be digital or virtual analog or whatever because they all have their place in the in the ecosystem as it were Absolutely, absolutely. I, I suppose the the, the uh, I, I sh I, actually this feels like a, quite a good time to um, to pause. We'll maybe come back and talk a little bit about Music Messer as well because that was another major event that happened. In the meantime, a little word from our sponsors. Okay mastering tools in ozone and ozone advanced now the latest isotope innovations in ozone 7 bring modern and vintage processing to the forefront of the music production experience updated for ozone 7 ozone's highly regarded maximizer features a brand new frequency specific irc4 algorithm that delivers transparent mixes with less pumping and distortion Use it to smooth out an unwieldy mix, or tame the kick drum peaks without affecting the vocals. The Dynamic EQ, now in both the advanced and standard versions of Ozone, lives and breathes with your audio, giving you more effective control over your sound without coloring your entire mix. Harness the precision of an equalizer and the musical ballistics of a compressor in one integrated processor. For Ozone 7, vintage-inspired processing puts nostalgic tone at your fingertips to bring the creative color and character of analog hardware to your digital recordings. Glue your mix together and bring a natural feel to harsh-sounding recordings with the Vintage Limiter. Vintage Tape adds the dimension, warmth, and depth of tape saturation to your masters for a timeless sound that suits your creative vision. Brighten your mix, smooth out heavy low end, and add body with the Pultec modeled Vintage EQ. 
Tighten the lows, thicken the mid-range, and let the highs sparkle with the versatile vintage compressor. With Ozone Advanced, you also get all 10 Ozone modules, including the new vintage processors, as separate component plugins. By loading the components on your instrument buses, you can add the power of Ozone before you get to mastering. Right, so I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. Uh, remember, we asked you, oh gosh, it seems like such a long time ago, to uh, enter the competition. Uh, we asked you to tweet the hashtag on the mix bus and the hashtag Ozone7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And we have a winner for last the last show. Uh, it was a chap called Marcus Hawkins Music, which is at MH Hawkins Music. That's the winner from last week. He tweeted, love what you guys do. Thank you very much. And uh, congratulations. You have now won a copy of Ozone 7. If you get in touch, we will instruct the uh, the good people of Oz at Isotope to pass on your details and you'll be getting a full copy on your inbox. Of course, if you want to check out Ozone 7, just go to isotope.com forward slash ozone and you'll be able to download a demo and check it all out. And as far as this week's go... We have another competition. The competition, we're asking you to tweet the hashtag Super Audio Mix and the hashtag Ozone7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, this will enter you to the competition. You do need to be on Twitter for this, but uh, if you just want to tweet the hashtag Super Audio Mix, that's one word, and the hashtag Ozone7, that's the number seven, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. if you're listening to the audio version. And we will have a winner next time. Thank you very much, Isotope, for sponsoring the show. And, of course, the next big thing is, of course, um, well, it's Music Messer, right? Music Messer was uh, a pretty big change to things. And it was kind of, everybody was wondering a little bit of how it was going to be. And I think if I've got a, uh, if I, I might have a, um, I thought I had a, a walk somewhere. I'm just trying to find it. Uh, I don't think it's here, of course. This is the one thing that I can't find now. So, But I did a walk through uh, the show, and it really is the one thing, because they've moved. Basically, Music Messer uh, used to be two shows uh, at the same time, and they overlapped this year. They they extended them. But what happened was is the music and high-tech show was kind of nearer the entrance, and then the pro-light and sound was further away in the bigger halls. They just flipped that on its head. So everything was in a different place. Everything was kind of not as we'd expect it. But also... Uh, everything was much further apart, but they also there were quite a lot of people not there exhibitor wise. So it was a very much a kind of transitional sort of uh, event this year. So um, Hans, non Eric, sorry, you were there. Yes, I know we were both quite sort of down because last year felt very low on energy, and particularly after Superbooth, which felt so sort of exciting and non corporate. This was sort of back into the kind of same old. I personally found it was less bad than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a real drag. And actually, uh, I think there was a lot more there. You know, it was it was, it was was not Cynthia, admittedly, but it was, there were still quite a number of people there and there was still quite a lot to talk about. What did you make of it? Mm, I would say, uh, yeah, exhibitor-wise, it was slower than yet again. A um, couple of exhibitors that were there last year weren't there this year. So it was a little bit smaller, I think, um, which is very hard to judge because I think that's part of also why they changed the halls around to make that a little bit less obvious who wasn't there. Oh, I, right. do I do remember that a couple of years only ago we had two full halls, just electric guitars, which was all down to 
half <laughs> maybe so i would i would say yes um that was less less news less stuff to talk about less videos to shoot actually it was great to see uh, all the people uh, from the industry you know shake hands talk um the the food was better than last year <laughs> they at least <laughs> managed to get some food trucks on the locations so not just currywurst and pizza that was good but uh, the my, my one single largest complaint actually that i have is um it was too loud uh, yes the it noise was level very was loud unbelievable even we were doing our roundtable discussions uh, right before the end of the show every day at the uh, comline booth and we we couldn't really hear what the person next next to you was saying so that was something that they need to improve on next year uh, I would agree. I mean, I think from a kind of organiser and inside business point of view, yes, I think there were differences. There were a lot more. That there was a lot more public days. They opened on Sunday, which meant there were quite a lot of people there on Sunday and at the weekend. Uh, but in terms of products, I mean, obviously it was a very different flavour because these shows are now quite close together, and the pressure on companies to kind of come up with more stuff is quite demanding. I guess. I mean, you, I'm guessing you might have spotted a few bits and bobs and see what the. Uh, um, what what did you see there that kind of excited you? And I'll see if I can find a video to play. Okay, well, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, initially, I, I, I was I was quite disappointed by music uh, by uh, Nam this year, and I was thinking, I was hoping that a lot of things were going to be held over to Music Messer, and that was absolutely not the case. So, so many of my you know things I'd like to have seen just nope, no sign at all. But however, what a surprise to see Pio- uh, Pioneer. So sort of launching yeah. the Torais, the Torais, Torais, which yeah, is so that's essentially what it's a, you know, it's like what people have been really wanting Native Instruments Machine to be, which is a, essentially a standalone sampling box or Akai's MPC. Now we know that Akai have been talking about doing standalone MPCs for a while, and who would have thought that Pioneer? I mean, now Pioneer has completely dominated DJ culture for the past however many years. Uh, But this looks like the first time I've seen um, Pioneer becoming, you know, doing a, you know, much more of a music production tool, you know. I think they're probably hoping for that, that, that crossover from their DJ world. But the actual Torres itself, you know, the, the big headline of that is the fact that it features genuine Dave Smith. Yeah. Uh, analog filters profit 6 um, filters and it's a standalone and the other thing we should mention standalone. this is something that I found I mean for those of you who don't know what the Toro is it, it's basically an MPC like sample workstation 16 pads much like a machina or an MPC backlit it's also got a um uh, a f- a f- I think a five or a seven inch touchscreen, much like the MPC Touch. It's also got a row of buttons, which are the step sequences, much like the TR8. So it's it's it seems to have taken, and it's also doing what everybody's been going. Can we have a standalone, please? Can we have a standalone, please? And it was yeah, yes, you can. And here it is. I mean, it's not finished yet. The other thing that was very uh, funny about that is it was literally back to back with the Akai booth. So there was uh, there was uh, uh, Pioneer, there was Akai, and um, but I think it does. I think the reason that it's gone that way is because there seems to be a move. I was talking to a few DJs and they're saying DJing with a laptop is now becoming kind of almost passe, you know, and, and the notion of 
forcing more live music production within your set is becoming something that people are after or certainly something people are aspiring to perhaps so they're riding i don't know whether this is getting bigger or whether they're expecting it to do so but it's quite an interesting concept that they've actually done it and i i, I don't really i'm not really an mpc type user i don't know what you thought about that non-eric whether or not there is there's something there that makes it makes it good it was the first video uh, we released from the massive because that was the most interesting uh, unit uh, inside at the show. I thought, as you mentioned, it's, uh, ooh, you look at it, oh, looks like machine pads, looks like TR8, oh, looks mm. like MPC Touch, oh, analog filters, great. So it's, it's basically mm. everything A best of. we want <laughs> in, in one box, you know, and it's... Eight outputs as well. Eight outputs, you, yeah, individual, eight individual outputs. So this could be actually the follow-up to my SP-1200. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. Mm. And I think, and I think, the, yeah, I mean, I talked to the developer, um, the guy who was, uh, was basically there on the... Um, who, who, it was a single guy product, you know. He was behind the whole sort of product management, and and in terms of you know the the thing that they don't have, and we don't know what what uh, Pioneer have in the bag is a comprehensive and workable operating system that is designed for live sampling and all of those things. I mean, that's something that's different to what they've been doing, and that's going to be the big challenge, I think, because I mean, all the other boxes are ticked, mm. and I'm so, so I think I spoke to some people, and they're saying, does it seem expensive? And it's going to be about sixteen hundred dollars which i don't think is excessive because it's got all of those things which are all the things that people want. and it also plays back from usb you can stick a usb drive straight into it i think it's got eight gigs of ram on it so you can get a lot of samples in there i think the only question seems to be the step sequencer because it seems to be 16 steps although you can chain up to four patterns at the same time so i'm not sure uh, quite how uh, that's yeah. necessarily working out but German yeah. would say the German literal translation is the detail lies the devil lies in the detail. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's I think you know we all know that software isn't that easy and mm -hmm. you know when it comes down to if is this going to be fun to work with with the SP16 well it's got all the hardware features but we don't know how the software is going to be you know will i be able to do nice loop recordings will i be easily be able to change patterns how about upbeats how is that handled so yeah. there's a lots lots and lots of question marks uh, but you have to remember that the so pioneer though have been really you know, at the forefront of those fancy DJ controllers now, haven't they? So they have got a real handle on that. You know, on on on, on UI, yes, I suppose so. UI on performance and on stability and reliability. Hence, them becoming the probably they are the number one DJ brand now, aren't they, Pioneer? Possibly, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I would you're right. Sorry. Yeah, Robbie, would you, I mean, because you use Ableton Live Live for triggering yeah. loops and arrangement, would you ever consider moving to a dedicated hardware for that kind of thing, assuming, say, this would work, you know, in triggering long clips and having that sort of thing? Would that make any sense to you, or does it, do you, are you not so worried about the uh, computer, the laptop side of things? I think I think because the, the, the job of Ableton in our setup is so much more complicated than, 
you know, it's, it's processing live, it's processing vocals in, in a live situation. It's sending out stuff to the video. It's doing all sorts of other stuff. I don't know. This product, I don't think, is designed really... This product, is, to me, looks like the kind of products that a, a DJ is going to use alongside, you know, DJing to kind of add elements <coughs> into the mix. Um, and, peop and people who like that kind of pattern-based way of working. I... I, I I generally don't don't really come from that background because <laughs> the, the first sequencer I had was was a D twenty, you know. So I never I never used step sequencers apart from when I got it back into modular. It was a Roland D twenty with my first sequencer sequencer. Then I was straight onto an Atari with Pro twenty four. Um, so I don't know. It 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 doesn't really fit into my ecosystem. But I can see, like Gaz has said, with their pedigree of building stuff that's meant to last, that's reliable, and with that feature set, that people are going to use that very much as an add-on performance tool to an existing setup. It looks, you know, it looks, it, looks, it looks a serious piece of kit. It doesn't look, you know, sometimes you see certain... There's been a few bits and bobs from other DJ companies that, that kind of dip their toe in the sort of music production world, and they always just seem a little bit kind of Mickey Mouse. But this definitely does seem like a serious contender. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, but again, it comes down to the details. It should be pointed out that uh, the filters on it are global, not per um, part. So, you know, it's a, it's a global filter, but it is an analog filter. So that if that makes any difference to what people think. But I mean, if it had an analog filter on every part, then that would be a completely different scale of, uh, of expense, I would imagine. Gas. Can we call, can we talk about the DAS Alex? Yes, I. Uh, it, you know, because that I'm still. Let, let, let me just drop a little. Sure. Let, let me just drop a little video in there so people have got a context for it. Great, do that. Thanks to our sponsors for uh, the uh, mess of coverage. Here we are. What is this uh, new concept? It looks really interesting. Well, I'd like to introduce you to the Alex synthesizer. It's a truly scalable synthesizer and sequencing uh, platform. It's based around the concept of hardware modules. Uh, you start off with the main module, which is your starter, which includes four tracks of instruments, uh, that, which include a mix and effect section, a looper, not implemented yet, and a sequencer, a step sequencer right now. You have four of these per, per module. If that's not enough for you, you can add another, and another, and another. You, when you start off with the main uh, module, this is where you access all your common uh, parameters, all your navigation. Your central navigation is here, where you can load your patches, uh, access the various parts of your tracks. Uh, these are your performance controls, like scene auto and more, and your transport shift key as well. We didn't want to put shift keys on every single unit. Now, power is provided by the... Um, there's a single power supply which drives all four units. Uh, as you scale up, we... I should point out, uh, the LEDs don't flicker like that in real life. That was just a bit of interference with the shutter speed on our camera, so I, I, I don't want to represent... It, it's an interesting idea. I must admit, there wasn't an awful lot to hear yet. It yeah. was more a question of the hardware. But the idea being, it's modular DSP. If you start off with one box, then you can add more modules, give you more screen, more tracks, more DSP, more outputs, and also CVIO if you want to control that whole world. So 
I think the idea with this is for it to be at the centre of some form of production or control setup. Um, no idea on pricing yet. Uh, it was really the guy's been working on it for a couple of years, and he's, this is the first time he's brought it out into the open. So mm. it was very much a kind of what do you think sort of idea. So yeah, I mean, just sorry, Gaz. That was just so that people who are watching kind of know what yeah, perhaps yeah. what that's on about. So what were your thoughts about it then? That the physicality of it was quite appealing, especially the you know to have that sequence running right across there. And you know, I was thinking the format of it. You know, if if you did have a big bank of modular because you can drive there's no cv on it though is there it's just midi out on there uh there would yes that well that's possible to cv out from the expander outputs apparently that's right yeah so you know i was thinking mm, it is the, the the size of it i think i'm seeing that sequence move across we saw a few other big sequences didn't we as well we saw that really uh, the, the poly quite, end yeah yeah, which again had a nice large physicality to it, and and last year we saw the coma and I think some other things. So uh, the idea of this larger scale sequencing environment I think is quite appealing and interesting to see how that side of things develop. Really, I think, uh, but it does look quite attractive, doesn't it? And it looks like um, it looks like it could be a lot of fun. And not it, it, what was he saying as well? Like you. Uh, the parameters if you use certain modes you can put the parameters across all four yeah. uh, modules but for the one sound you're working on yeah i so, mean it sounds know, i mean the only thing it, i would say it looks like it's going to be incredibly complicated uh, i think that's the point did, did you see this one no no i mean did you go and check that out uh oh, i'm sorry you were sneezing i, I muted you i beg your pardon <laughs> okay okay <laughs> back on yes Indeed. Okay. No, uh, I didn't uh, see that in detail, and I think it's it's between the. T I don't know. Once we start with big displays and shift keys, yeah, and knobs for one sound over m many units, this sounds very much like like a controller. It's getting so. I'm not. I'm not sure. I thought it was. Uh, Right between uh, between being a real sort of hardware thing and being more or less a reduced computer, it yeah. didn't excite me. I'm sorry. I think that's I guess, fair. I guess it really boils down to what 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 it's capable of sound-wise as well. Because, like you say, to be fair to the guy, there wasn't much you could hear. And if you're going to invest in in something like that and invest your time into learning a new ecosystem like that, you want it to sound good. And you know, have something to offer that you can't get elsewhere. So, you know, it's it's, it's a bit early to make a judgment. I think, well, for me anyway. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, uh, the other thing that was uh, that was rocking, I thought, at the show was the Roly stand. They had, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the stuff from Marco yeah. Parisi. Uh, he was playing some absolutely amazing kind of. And this goes against all that I feel is sort of sacred in many ways. He was playing sort of guitar and bass stuff, but it was so expressive. He did a version of Little Wing, which was going around on Facebook, which is almost, you know, you look at it and you just think, how is that even possible? It's just so such an expressive thing. And they were and there, there were some fantastic updates to the Equator synthesizer as well. And that's something that's turning into a synthesizer yeah. that... Mm -hmm 
is really starting to make me think I, I want I, I would like to have that it feels yeah. you know it's almost it's linked to the hardware I mean but only notionally there's no reason why you couldn't control it for something else apart from the fact they don't sell it separately and that's something that you know that they really are starting to use that as a USP I don't know if the, what you think about yeah. it did you check that out Gaz I mean his uh, did you see Marco's stuff it was astonishing yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I think using the context of a guitar sound is a good way for people to be able to relate to what's going on. You know, if he was using otherworldly sounds and having all that expressivity, you don't maybe have as kind of clear way of assessing it compared to other things, as opposed to seeing it as any way a replacement for the guitar or anything like that. I think, um, I think uh, they've really impressed me in the last uh, in the last few years uh roly have in the fact that when we first saw the seaboard it we was all almost laughed, like didn't we yeah <laughs> a little bit it was almost like is that re- you know is that really going to sort of have any legs about it but now um i mean like i go into like the big music shop in bristol and there's like a there's a big roly stand in there you know really you know they're really pushing these things so um i'm starting to see them out in the yeah. wild a bit as well um so you know i think i think it is turning into a bona fide hit and if they keep developing it the way they're doing you know i mean the thing i, I i'm really hoping that they do is release the fully fledged equator as an ios uh, as an ios version i mean it makes absolute sense especially with the rise having bluetooth um you know uh bluetooth connectivity you know the iPad and the Roly together makes such an incredibly streamlined and futuristic uh, combo. So uh, now you can get that noise for the iOS, which is a sort of essentially a cut-down version of it. But the fully fledged, fully fledged um, equator on iPad, please. Yeah. Certainly, iPad Pro. I can imagine yeah. it. Be, yeah, yeah, definitely. Got, got a lot. Of Non Eric, did you know? I'm guessing. Have you tried to? Have you played one of these things? Because that was one thing I did at the show. I thought I'll sit down and see if I can. And it just made no sense. It's you can't, you can't play it like that because if you slide, you get kind of stuck. You have to play it like this so you can move okay. your feet. It, it, there's a definite change in technique. In fact, there's one coming for review in the next couple of days. So I'm looking forward to seeing just how much modification you have to make. But the they they seem to have gone a long way with this thing even you know I'm, I'm i was one of the first people to sort of say i'm not sure about this it seems like another gimmicky thing but i know robbie's been using one have you had a chance to see one in the flesh I and mean, what do you think of it yeah i think uh, it, it's an interesting product there's lots of investment money floating around i think because That's very they true. do a lot of marketing and they and they trying to uh, and their goal is and they if they want to succeed, that's what they have to succeed at is replace the traditional keyboard with a Roly in a way, because it, I think it's, a, it's something like this. It takes a certain amount of people to actually use it to be a breakthrough because it's a change in, as you said, it's a different technique. It's not a regular keyboard by any means. It looks like it and it can be played in a way, but if you're a traditional player, you'd be, oh, confused, you know. Uh, and for me, it would be very hard to work with it because it's got all these extra features in terms of functionality and how to play that I would have a uh, I would have to just try it out. Maybe it's the the thing that I've been looking for. 
Yeah, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. It is very sure. expressive. I don't want to turn it too much into the Rowley show, so I'm going to ask you two guys, was there anything that... Well, Gaz, did you see anything else at Music Mesa that kind of really made you think, hmm, that's interesting? Because, I mean, obviously, we were we, we did have to search around a bit for more stories because a lot of it was uh, you know not necessarily new, but stuff perhaps we hadn't seen before. Uh, the men- I think it was only an announcement. Sound Radix, adaptive verb, sounds really interesting. That's... Uh, that's I, Synaptic. Oh, sorry, it's not sound. It's synaptic. Isn't uh, it? yeah. My I, mistake. Say, that and the wormhole. I, yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what. I did get try and get a demo, but the guy said, "Look, I can't do one here. It's too noisy. I can't hear what I'm doing. We'll do one after yeah. the show sometime." Yeah. So, I, for those folks saying, "Why didn't I get a video?" I did try several times, and he just said, "Look, it's too mm-hmm. important for." for right. Sorry. Same here, Nick. That's exactly what he told us. Yeah. yeah. But I have seen one online. It does sound very interesting. I'm, I mean, those those are the things that pique my interest. And also the the soft tube T verb, the the Tony Visconti, you oh, know, that's, um, those reverb. Even tide, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, sorry, even tide. Yeah, even tide. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been demoing that. It's great. So I'm um, mm. enjoying that. I have one remark on that one actually. I mean, it's great. You know, we've got the brand Tony Visconti, Heroes, David Bowie. The Meisters are la 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 la, but the te- the technique that Tony developed, and that is mimicked in the plugin, was actually done because of lack of tracks. Yeah, of course. Lack of tracks. Do we have yeah. a lack of tracks <laughs> anymore? No, 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 Eric. It's 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 very it's very interesting to use because the. The way it makes you think about a reverb in its place in a track is very different to just, you know, you do have to start automating reverbs on and off. It's quite interesting to see how a reverb can drive, a vocal can drive a reverb and then, you know, in varying degrees. So I think it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice plugin to have alongside traditional reverbs, even in this modern age. All right. Very well said. Um, Convinced. Okay. Uh, anything else? Any other? Any yeah. other? The um, I thought that the uh, Antelope Zentor audio interface just looked like maybe the most appealing, very small form factor audio interface, uh, or certainly one of the one of the most appealing ones I've seen so far. Actually, um, I just uh, yeah, really interesting. Uh, it's got decent ADAT expandability, so you could sort of, you know have it connect to a bigger system. Uh, but really, really nice uh, interface, I think, that is. Uh, uh, someone I know is using, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, the other antelope interface that's made a splash in the last year or so with the red Goli- Goliath? No, not the Goliath. Red, uh, like, red ends and a handle. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it did, did sound really, really nice. So... Uh, do you know the thing I'm talking about, the Zentor? It's just no, of, um, it's, I didn't, but I did. I, I, well, you were talking about um, portable interfaces. Did you see this one? This was uh, also very interesting. The uh, the Zooms, the Zoom U44 and U24, which were, and they're like 200 bucks each, and they've got ADAP ports on them as well. They're like little mini mixers stroke sound cards, which looked kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's, it's, it's the classic Zoom thing, isn't it? It's sort of, a, it's sort of like... Let's take and make a product that's totally out there in terms of what everybody else is doing. But quite often their products are really useful because of that. 
Uh, it looks to me that they've completely embraced the video market with that product, doesn't it? It looks marketed as a video product. It doesn't look like an audio interface as much as a video interface. You know, mm. Do you know what I mean? I think the styling of it is more kind of camera-y. I don't know. Um, the Zentor that I'm talking about has got very slick, very, you know, it's a million miles away from that in terms of the aesthetic. Um, Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, the Zentor, it's got a big OLED on it, hasn't it? Yeah, it's big OLED on it. Um, yeah. Speaking of OLEDs, really, really quickly, just really disappointed that Teenage Engineering did not actually have the OP1 update on show. They were saying something along the lines of that if you turned it, if you turned up there and had an OP1, you could bring it to them and you could download the beta, but you weren't allowed to go public with it, so it's another eight weeks of OP1. Oh, yeah, I, well, we did try and, again, an we, did, we did try and get a video for that, and they said, no, I'm sorry, we're not doing any videos, but they did say maybe we could come over and show you around it, um, so we might be getting an in-studio kind of thing here, which would be it's pretty... Products, isn't it? There's other, other teenage engineering product that they teased at NAMM that looks bizarre with the video engine in it as well. OPZ. OPZ, which they're talking about as well, yeah, which I'm... Anything to do with them always always gets me interested because I love yeah. them. Obviously, the OP1 is a love affair for me. So <laughs> yeah, but the the OP1's new into uh, new OS though is going to bring uh, an arpeggiator. Which okay, hey, whoa, whoop de doo So, but you just know it's going to be uh, an arpeggiator teenage engineering style. So. I think that's going to be a bit special. Yeah, we got another eight weeks to go. Any, anyone, uh, anyone see the? Um, let me see. I've got this here. Uh, this the, the wacky, crazy instrument, which is the um, Zentor. Instruments are very interesting thing. Sorry, which is not the Zentor. The uh, audio. Tell me about it. Tell me. So this is called the Silvio. This is a new wireless MIDI wind controller. Wireless MIDI wind controller, again. Yeah, you can just play it just like a recorder. Which is happening in the background. If I go over here. Will be available. thing that was interesting about this demo. Wireless, which is pretty cool. But that guy playing the drums in the background was doing it via a trackpad. I, I have to say, incessantly for eight hours a day, which was a little bit. But it was he was it was a great bit of finger drumming, whatever that might be. Um, the thing about the thing about wind instruments is uh, they're very effective for playing uh, monophonic analogs. Uh, if you can map the control voltage, when we did something with the uh, Moog Ensemble with Will Gregory, he was because he's a very accomplished saxophonist and he was playing wind control of the mini moog and it sounded absolutely amazing so that's the sort of thing that you know might slip under the radar you think do i need the i don't know i can't imagine you playing one of those get um uh, non-eric perhaps uh, in the it's another one of those instruments for the futuristic star wars bar band i think perhaps yeah <laughs> probably but i have to remember saxophonist what's it called saxophonist Saxophonist, I love the word. Saxophonist, I'd love to be a saxophonist. <laughs> sounds, sounds a little bit naughty, actually, for a German. It does when you yeah, say saxophonist. it. Saxophonist, <laughs> oh, it's a saxophonist, ooh, all right. <clears throat> no, 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 I always find it, I mean, finger drumming on the laptop, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm so time conscious, ooh. 
I he couldn't was, stand listening to that for eight hours. He was very good, though. Actually, I have to say, okay. he, he, he right. was very good. No, 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 no uh, opinion on that one. Sorry. Um, I'll pass it on to Robbie. <laughs> I got a weird, a weird thing. I was, I was chatting the other day to the to the landlord of the um, the big property that we're we're here. You know, the the client I'm working for is renting, and and it turns out he's the inventor of the Eigenharp. It's his company. <laughs> wow. That yeah, is... So he, he was telling me all about his instrument. I was going, this sounds really familiar. And then I was like, ah, oh, the Eigenharp. <laughs> so, yeah, so, weird. so the landlord here is the owner of Eigenharp. Well, I, I forget his name, actually, because he John, had a background... John something right. He had yeah. a background in something else, didn't he? And uh, yes. I, I, mem I remember what... I can't, I can't remember the details now, but... Uh, yes. they, make them, they make them down this way, hand make them, yeah. They're still going, because yeah. I, I wasn't sure, because it was one of those instruments that just didn't quite... You know, it was it, in many ways it was, it was the roly of its time, but it it didn't quite make it over the hill, you know, over the whatever the bump was, because it just looked so bloody weird and was actually really difficult to play. Is one thing that I found actually. Well, it was a little bit of a little bit of one of those tumbleweed moments when he came in the studio and saw my roly and told me about told me about what he did. Uh, ah, uh, yeah, I can imagine that might have been. Yeah. But all that going through his mind was this roly is the company that we should be. Well, I, I do recall Eigen Labs also was one of those companies that seemed to have a massive number of people working for it, even with, a, you know, a small number of products. I remember it was a very similar trajectory in many ways. Obviously, he had quite a lot of investment from somewhere, whether it was him or other investments. So, from him. Ah, uh, right. I mean, he much owns the whole area. But, um, no, it's interesting. He said they're still making them. They're just making the higher-end ones, and they sell a few a month, and, you know, there are people like any of these controllers who have a passion for them. So, yeah, you know, the space yeah. bassoon, I think, is uh, what I, I might have called it. <laughs> well, it, it feels like we're kind of. Uh, I mean, there were there were quite a number of other products. At uh, did anyone see the Yamaha um, trans yeah. Transwave Acoustic? No. I will let me refresh your memories. Yamaha mm, TA is standing for Trans Acoustic, and it's a complete. I had to record this with the the mics because I wanted to get the sound of the guitar so it's a little bit room well I say a little bit a massively amount of room three knobs volume controls so this is it on its own oh no hold on and then see what happens this is the dry signal Just Mike. Which are on the concert hall. Reverb. Reverb. From a Kern acoustic guitar. Yeah, it's crazy. I explain it. <laughs> Insights. We have an. Well, anyway, uh, so this bass, this guitar somehow manages to generate acoustic reverb and chorus through the body of the car. There was no line out of that. It was just coming out of the body of the guitar. It's quite subtle, but it was still doing it. I mean, and that's the sort of thing that you kind of think, you look at it and you go, what? Did you see that, Gaz? It was pretty mental. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it brought to mind the thing I used to have years ago, which was a thing that clipped on the back of an acoustic guitar went under the strings it had spring real springs on it and it, it would generate like a spring reverb 
acoustically as you played. Um, I'm trying to remember what it, that was called now, years and years ago. Just kind of clipped on the back. Um, so, you know, <laughs> obviously trying to get to the same thing. I mean, uh, this I thought was cool when he said that the battery life was like eight hours. So I was like, yeah, just, you know, I wonder how many of these batteries won't be changed on them. <laughs> eight hours is a bit rubbish, I think. Is it? But, I, um, I guess it has well, to do some mechanical... It was a very popular item, actually, This the, the, the mm. transacoustic. The other thing, because I was suggesting to him that perhaps what would make it more interesting is to go really extreme. So, you know, put distortion in there, because basically what it does is takes the, the input sound, feeds it from a transducer uh, or a... Yeah, I'm not sure what it was. And then goes into a DSP and then it feeds back into the body. I thought, make it really extreme. Put like a, you know, infinite sustain reverbs in there. Put in huge delays. Put in massive amounts of distortion. So the whole thing becomes almost uncontrollable if you play it. So it'd be like a 335 through a really loud amp in terms of the mechanical feedback. And then it would be another, a completely different thing. And I don't know whether they've got... (coughs) Any plans for that or not? I oh, know. Uh, no, no. Did you see that the the uh, Yamaha Transacoustic with the built-in DSP that actually fed the reverb and the chorus back through the body of the guitar with no line out, so you heard it. It was a very unusual concept. I was just saying it would be be more fun if it was really extreme. Hmm. Missed it. Oh. oh, and I have no video from you guys. Oh, really? Uh, okay. I'm sorry about that. Um, you're on live at the moment, so. Uh, so there you go. Um, Can I just say one thing? It was a, 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 one of those moments this week, which was like I made the most boring purchase, but it was the most revolutionary purchase I've made in ages. <laughs> you know how like you sometimes you get these things that totally change the way you work. And I, I finally, I've been fighting for a long time using SSDs for my samples and audio and everything, because just because there haven't been SSDs to the capacity I was prepared to invest in but i finally invested in these 200 these two terabyte ssds by samsung a shocking shocking cost but it's absolutely revolutionized my um my workflow because i I just cannot believe how i survived for so long using mechanical discs for loading in big vast sample libraries and recording direct to disc you know it's like it's just like it's sort of like it made the studio like a super studio overnight oh really yeah, I mean, just just how logic responds, everything is just as like I'm night and day. So I've been Did, very. Uh, they're very inter- smart internal there. ones, yes. Yeah, I've got well, I've got a Thunderbolt chassis, and it's their two point five inch discs, and they're the the Samsung eight fifty Pros, which are like they've got a ten year guarantee as well. So they've got like four times the amount of read writes compared to anything else. Um, but the fact that they were two terabytes, I, I just refused to start separating my sample libraries over multiple hard because it's so messy. Oh, we lost him. Gaz, jump ah. in. Uh, well, here a little thing. Um, SSD drive, uh, yeah. this is a 480 gig one. Um, that was about 80 quid off Amazon. So we finally started to see SSD drives coming down in price but uh, then i discovered you could get this thing which is just a usb3 interface for ssd so now your ssd drive can live externally like it just you know i've just got a little padded bag all right the ssd drive into what's the advantage though because usb3 is not all that much faster than are you kidding 
it's mega fast. I'm, I'm getting transfer rates with this <clears throat> around 350 meg a second. So, you know, it's right. uh, for an external drive. And that, you know, through this little cable. Sorry, we so, lost you there, uh, um, there um, for a moment. Just... No, that was just it was one of those things. It was a boring purchase, but it was kind of like every day I turn the system on, I just I just sit here smugly going, oh, this is so good. Such a worthwhile investment. Well, th- yeah. That reminds me a little bit. We saw um, there was a Cymatica who uh, made these... Uh, oh standalone recorders and playback units and they've got a kind of black box like thing which is a 16 track uh was it 20 no 24 channel playback and record unit but it's also now audio network enabled they use AS, aes 67 standard and it just it so they they will sync so you can sync three of them together so that the songs will be loaded so if you're, if you're a big touring action you need to some playback or you need to record a whole bunch of stuff and that looked kind of good and and they had these little tiny ssds they were running the demos they had those thumb drives that are like this big that you just push, push in and all the tracks were playing back off these tiny tiny little thumb drives but they also had these beautiful ssds as well which were uh, presumably meant it could record uh, Cymatica also make um this is the interesting thing. The, 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 the add-on card for the X32 we've been expecting to get, they said that they were going to do a, a direct record, so you could just plug a USB um, drive into the back of it and it would just record the channels. They haven't done that yet, but Cymatic <coughs> Audio have done that. So you can buy this card and you plug it in and it's just got a record button on the back and it just streams whatever you're routing to it out to separate uh, um, channels from the X32 architecture. And that was very nice. Um, nice. We should actually say, wasn't there some big news? Motu announced Thunderbolt drivers for Windows systems. Yeah, that's that's got to right. be pretty big news, right, for Windows users. Not for you, obviously, Robbie, who barely knows what the Windows startup sound sounds like. I, I, I literally, if somebody, my dad periodically, my dad's one of these people with technology, periodically rings me up and goes, I've got a problem with my computer, could you help me? And I have to go, Dad, I've told you this a million times. It's a PC. I've never even switched a PC on in my life. I don't know the first thing about it. You probably know more than I do. So, yeah. So, I'm not the person to ask. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Is that big news, though? A Thunderbolt? And also, there's uh, Universal Audio did the uh, USB satellite as well. Uh, uh, USB satellite for Windows, too. Did you get any... Um Anything, any joy for you non on the uh, Motu stuff? That's kind of big news. I mean, assuming that motherboard manufacturers start to support Thunderbolt a bit more, maybe they will. Maybe, maybe the uh, USB 3.0 Universal Audio is the bigger news. Maybe so. But only <laughs> only on PC. It doesn't work on Windows as well, which is a real shame. No, it doesn't work on Mac, which is a real shame. Sorry, on Mac, yeah. yeah, that's and, it does, yeah. and it doesn't work on iPad because of that. And I suggested to them, I said, okay, I do understand the full functionality, you know, transporting the audio streams from the computer to the device, to the satellite and back, you know, doing that on the uh, standard uh, USB, uh, what's it called, uh, devices, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Aggregated devices yeah. or whatever they call, the, the the standard the the um, uh, operating system standard audio procedure uh, that would probably not work because of the the multitude of audio streams they have to exchange. But I said, well, at least you could give me on my Apollo Twin just give me two channels audio, 
via USB and I can hook, hook up my iPad and my Mac and I don't have to switch to the Focusrite interface here whenever I do an iPad or iOS show. Yeah, well, that's a fair point. I mean, I think that's not a bad idea. I, I just uh, in the YouTube chat, where, chat room, Lloyd and Wern says, any news on Spectrosonics or Access Music? Um, no. I spoke to Access. I was trying to get a statement out of them because they were at Superbooth, say, have you got any uh, news? And and he he said, no, not at the moment. I haven't really got anything to say about that. Um, and Spectrosonics, no word from them at Mesa. They, I don't believe they were there at all. I didn't see them anywhere, did you? They might have been in another hall somewhere because that's the thing about the the Mesa because everything was all over the place. They could have been in half a mile away in another hall on a a booth that they got at the last minute. I mean, just don't know. Right, I suppose suppose, uh, this might be a good time to uh, call it a, a King Sonny, as they say. Um, because uh, we've been going for a while and it's been fairly free form I understand that Um, so I want to say thank you to everybody for joining us thank you also to our sponsors uh, from uh, Isotope Uh, just quickly should say uh, if you want to enter the competition (coughs) tweet the hashtag Super Audio Mix and the hashtag Ozone 7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc and (coughs) you'll be entered in the competition to win a copy of Ozone 7 so uh, that's that part of the the housekeeping done Uh, I'll say Non-Eric, thank you very much for joining us. What time will your um, interview with Dave Rossum be up tomorrow? Because it's going to be in English and it's going to be very interesting. I'm sure lots of people will want to see that. That will be tomorrow at noon. So that is uh, musotalk.de for English language yes. uh, version uh, German of... German language. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, but for the Dave Rossum thing. So do check that out. Thank you very much, Non-Eric. It's been a pleasure to have you aboard as ever. Yes. And Mr. Gazwaldo Williamson <laughs> over there in Bristol. Hopefully we'll get to see you because we haven't actually seen you in person since, or I haven't, since the Saturday of our gig. In fact, I'm going to play out because I've got a little bit of a, uh, um, I did a little bit of a, a, a clip show of yeah. of that. So I'll put that in the live stream. People can see Hooray. it. It will, it oh, will be, be cool. improved. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but Gaz, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, great. Thanks ever so much. And Robbie Bronneman over there, once again, thank you to your client for giving you the time out to join us and for you giving up your free time to join us as well. I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't sat in at all because I had a weird latency the whole time. No, so that was I fine. Was, I wasn't sure whether I was uh, talking across anyone. Anyway. But thank yeah. you very much for joining us. That's been a pleasure. Cool. And so I think what we'll do is we'll play out. This was um, a, a sort of edited highlights, very quickly edited highlights of the live stream from uh, our show on the 26th. Uh, we'll probably do a, a slightly more fulsome version, but probably not everybody's set because uh, certainly three or four of us, or well, certainly me, had uh, all sorts of technical issues, so it would require quite a lot of editing. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this, and that's it for this week. Thank you very much for watching. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, hello, everybody. We are now streaming live from Salt Cafe in Bristol for the very first ever Sonic State Live. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Jervis.